Welcome to Anil Arana Live. Recorded live during his missions around the world, these podcasts feature audio sermons and reflections from internationally renowned preacher and retreat leader Anil Arana. For more audio podcasts, video sermons, and articles, please visit www.hsiweb.org or www.anilarana.com. Good evening. I just returned from Hyderabad after a wonderful mission over there. I never intended to go. I planned on staying in Dubai for six months and I never wanted to go, but God had other plans. And when he wants you to do something, you better listen because he makes you do it, whether you like it or not. But I'm glad I went because I had a phenomenal mission over there. I spoke mainly to school children and college children. And over eight days in various schools and colleges, I preached to over 5,000 youngsters most of whom were not Christian. And it is amazing how receptive, how receptive our non-Christian brothers and sisters are to the word of God and how receptive they are to the love of God. And there was hardly a person over there who was not touched because they learned things about our God that they didn't know. They learned about how much he loves us for one. And I'll talk more about that later. But are you ready for the word of God now? I'm going to read to you from Psalm 139, just a few verses. You have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay a hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Read the rest of the psalm when you go home. I'm going to the very end. Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is anything offensive in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. This, my brothers and sisters, is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. When I reached Hyderabad on this mission I didn't want to go to, I met the person who organized this trip for me. And one of the first things she said to me is, Brother Anil, forgive me, but I don't really trust you. And I went, okay. And then she said, I don't really trust preachers. And I said, okay, again. And I didn't take offense because I thought it is wise for people these days to be cautious about who they trust, especially preachers. Because as Jesus warned, beware of false prophet, he said. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ferocious wolves. And I told this girl the same thing. I said, you need to be aware of false prophets. But you need to be able to tell a true prophet from a false prophet. And the way you can do that is by the fruit that he bears. Because a good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. And the fruit we're talking about here is the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. I also told her, in the world, there are some people who can be fooled all the time, And there are all people who can be fooled some of the time, but you can't fool all people all the time. 
right? So I said in these 10 days over here, you'll get a good look at me and be able to discern for yourself whether I'm on the good side, the side of the angels or on the side of the devils. The last day just before I was leaving for the airport, she sat down and said, Anil, please forgive me because I uh, said something very wrong to you in the beginning. I've observed you very carefully over the last 10 days and you truly are a very different man and I can see you have a heart that is a heart after God's. And I was very happy to hear that. Wouldn't you be? But on the plane back, I couldn't help but ask God to verify what she said. And like David, I prayed, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. And these two prayers, my brothers and my sisters, are very dangerous prayers because when you ask God to search you, he shines a flashlight right into the depth of your soul. And the things that he shows you are not things you might like to see. And on the three and a half hour journey back home, he showed me things within my soul that honestly I'd have preferred not to be seen by anyone, especially by God. The reason I share this with you is because I want you to make five dangerous prayers today. Beginning with the first dangerous prayer, search me. And I promise you one thing, the moment you say that, he's going to show you something about yourself that you don't like. It doesn't matter how spiritual you are. It doesn't matter how holy you consider yourself. But when you say, search me, God, God takes out his magnifying glass and he searches you. And I see this beautiful girl in front of me. And if I bring my glass closer to her, do you have the courage to make that dangerous prayer here today? Search me, God. Search me and see the things the world cannot see. Search me and see the things I keep hidden, hidden behind huge walls, big barricades that nobody can cross. Search me, Lord. And show me the dark, secret corners of my heart where the sin lies, the hurt lies, making me somebody I don't want to be. Search me. A young man went to Jesus once and he said, Jesus, what is the secret of eternal life? What are the things I need to do? What he was saying to Jesus was, search me. And Jesus said to him, you know, don't commit adultery, honor your father and your mother, do not steal, do not cheat. And the young man said very happily, because he'd been searched and found to be true, he said, Lord, I do all these things. But then he made a big mistake. He made another prayer, another dangerous prayer. Test me. And Jesus said, okay, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. And the young man failed the test because he was very rich and couldn't bear to be parted with what he had. The problem is not that he was rich. It is not a crime to have money. It's not a sin. But what is a sin in the eyes of God is to be attached to that money as it is to be attached to anything else in the world. And many of us are. And when we ask God to test us, many of us fail 
That's another dangerous prayer. After searching me, God test me. Reveal to me where my treasure is because like Jesus also says, where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Where is your treasure? Is it in your job? Is it in your money? Is it in another person? Is it in a family member even? If your treasure is there, your treasure cannot be in Jesus. Because he says, if anyone does not hate his father and mother, his brother and sister, his wife and children, even his own life, he cannot be my disciple. And if anyone does not leave everything he has and follows me, he cannot be my disciple. And he says, if anyone does not carry his cross and follow me, he cannot be my disciple. Test me, Lord. I challenge you to say that prayer here today. Because I guarantee you, when you say that prayer to God, he is going to answer it. He's going to test you. And I can also almost say with almost certainty, many of you will fail. Many of you will fail because your heart, forget about not being in the right place. Your heart is like stone. It truly is. Forgive me for saying that, but it is. And why do I say that? I say that because I see lonely, miserable, sad people every day who persist in doing two things. They persist in committing sin and they persist in not loving their neighbor. And the reason they do that is because that heart, that heart is like stone. Have you ever seen a walnut? Our hearts are like the walnut within the shell. Now God wants to penetrate that shall. He wants to get to the deep recesses of your heart. But unfortunately, most of us have a thick, hard shell around us. And you know the reason why we have a thick, hard shell? I just told you. Because of sin that we keep committing over and over and over and over and over again, making this thing harder and harder and harder and harder and hard. When people hurt us and hurt us and hurt us and hurt us, we continue to build more shells around us, making us harder and harder. Isn't it not true? Months ago, I gave a talk on abortion over here. And I spoke about the number of babies being killed by their own mothers. Till the figure stands at about 50 million babies killed by their mothers this year alone. And during my talk, I asked the question, how do we get to this state when we butcher people on such a huge scale and not even let it bother us, it is because we have gradually built this shell around us that makes us not even care about babies within our wombs. Forget about peace in the world. We open our newspapers and we read the stories of what is happening in the world and I'm telling you, we really don't give a damn. We don't. We look at it and it's just more statistics. Why? Because our hearts have become hard. How does sin begin? Oh, it's so easy. So easy. I demonstrated this with the children over there. Most of them, most of you have seen the apple. Haven't you seen? Beautiful, isn't it? You remember that. But there I did something else. Come here, brother. Beautiful, isn't he? <laughs> That's what the devil does, right? He'll be there and he is beautiful. Look at him. In this weather, he wears a suit. He's handsome too. And then the devil says, 
love him god said love your neighbor didn't he didn't he so and then he says hold his hand god didn't say not to hold his hand did he he only said not to sleep with him right so you hold his hand oh that feels really nice and then he says hold him you know you like him a lot don't you now holding him is a sign that you like him so hold him take him out take him to the disco take him for dinner so we go and then he says kiss him you know what happens next don't you you do or you don't or do i have to demonstrate <laughs> you know what happens next and then once you do that eventually get tired of him because that's the way the world is and no matter there's a next person there beautiful isn't he <laughs> and somewhere along the way with all this beautiful stuff going on what's happening you're getting entangled in so many different things and because you can't bear to face god after that what happens you start to go away you start to go away and that shell that shell starts to become harder and harder and harder same thing with hurt do you know why this person who told me she didn't trust me said that because she had her trust betrayed over the years by so many people so many times her heart got to the position where it was hard and was unable to trust anybody else and i know the same is the case for you almost every talk i tell you you need to love your neighbor I'm not going to tell you that today because I know you can't do it. And the reason you can't do it is because you're afraid. You're afraid that if you let somebody into your life, if you let the walls down, somebody is going to come and hurt you again. I know that you can't do it. You're afraid to make yourself vulnerable to people. You're afraid to lower your guard and let them in. So you have this big shell. The only problem when you have this big shell is not only do you keep people out, you keep God out as well. please listen to me carefully when you build walls around yourselves and you keep people out you keep god out as well because god is seen through people he himself says if you hate your brother or sister whom you can't see how can you say you love me who you cannot see because i am there seen in every single person who is close to you so the third prayer needs to be compulsorily break me break these hard hearts break these hearts of sin and the only way you can really start to break it is to come to god in full understanding of what you're doing when you sin and you continue to sin you're hurting him again and by understanding that to allow god inside i have to lower the walls on my brothers and my sisters and i'm going to tell you something most of you are afraid of making yourself vulnerable because you think people are going to hurt you again i have some news for you and please listen to this very carefully because i've discovered this over the last 10 years very true you might make yourself vulnerable and very true people might hurt you but only to a point there will come a point very soon after that when people will see your vulnerability and instead of hurting you will protect you most of the people over here who know me know anything it happens to me anything wrong goes the first thing they want to do is come and shelter me trust me don't you want to do that don't you want to do that 
Don't you want to do that? Don't you want to do that? It's not the, the ladies, it's the brothers too. You feel because you see an innocent. Have you ever seen a child? Have you ever seen a child in pain? Even if that child is not yours and you see that child crying, your first instinct is to go and carry that child and to make sure that is all right. And this is what happens. This is what happens when you make yourself vulnerable. People will stop hurting you after a while and start protecting you. This is what happened with Jesus. Even though they put him to death, after that what happened? Everyone who knew him just wanted to put their arms around him. Whenever I see the passion of the Christ, what do you think I want to do when I see him being flogged? I want to go there. I want to stop whatever they're doing. And if I cannot stop what they're doing, I just want to put my arms around Jesus and say, no, not you, me, because I deserve that. You know what I'm saying? But this needs to be broken. Unfortunately, to break something this hard, you need something like this. And God is not gentle. You know, I am a pretty strong guy and if I were to hit you with this hammer, may I try it? No, never mind. It would hurt you. Now God has a hand. Have you seen Thor the movie? Okay, never mind. And you kind of break it like that and it opens. Maybe just a crack. And this is what God wants you to do today. Just a crack. Just a little bit for him to enter because then he moves inside and he kind of takes you open like that. And here is when he sees what is inside you, your broken heart. He sees your shriveled heart. Do you see this walnut? It is all twisted. It's all mashed. It is not in good shape. This walnut has been there inside that shell and has become deformed. In South America, there used to be a tribe called the Comprachicos. And what the Comprachicos used to do was to take little children when they were babies and put them into pots. So when the baby grew within the pot, it kind of took on the shape of this pot. And the babies would grow up to be deformed and they would be used to beg or in circus shows and for entertainment. Now we have become like that. Except it's not our bodies that have been put into molds like this. It is our minds, it is our hearts, it is our souls and they're all twisted. They're all contorted, they're all distorted. But fortunately for us, while those little children can't do anything to change their physical appearance, all of us who believe in God can change what is within us. But for that we need to tell God the fourth prayer. And this is even more dangerous. How many of you have said, melt me? You've said it? Mold me? Prune me? Have you made these prayers? Without even thinking what it means. It means first you need to be taken out of this. The shell needs to be broken. It needs to be powdered. Excuse the mess I'm making here. Once you take this out, there is other stuff in the middle of it. That needs to be removed. Until you get to the fruit. And that is not easy. See how powdered it is getting as I'm taking it out. And this is what happens to us. But that is fine when we're powdered. Because after we're powdered, God begins to crush it. Most of you know my story, how I came to God. He had to powder me. I was such an arrogant guy. You will not believe. I was so arrogant, I actually thought I was God. And for the longest time, I used to think, you know, the whole world owed me allegiance. Till one day he smashed my pride. 
He took away everything, every single thing. And in a jail cell, when I couldn't do anything, nothing to even get myself out of that, I realized how truly powerless and helpless and insignificant I really was. I couldn't move from one room to another without taking permission of somebody. Can you imagine that? But I thought that was hard. What was really hard was after I came out from jail, I accepted Jesus as my savior. Then the pounding really started because he had to take this and he had to grind me to dust. Why? Have you seen a candle? I got a lot of these things here today. Because I want you to remember this. That's my heart burning. Now imagine you're this candle. It's not very nice for you, is it? You're on fire. You want the experience? I can set you on fire. But you know what it is like. It is hot. God's having pity on me. Sorry, nothing's falling. <laughs> but this is what it is like to be melted. We sing that song. Spirit of the sovereign Lord, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me and use me. fresh on me melt me was the wax mold me is the molding what does this look like to you a brain I told Janet to make me a model of her brain and this is what she came up with thank you Janet so these are I spoke about this a few weeks ago I spoke about how we need to be transformed by the renewal of our mind now who does the renewal God does the renewal and once again Okay, I don't know what God's mind is like, but let's imagine it's not like this. Imagine it's like that, and there goes the crushing and the pounding again. It hurts. Ten years he's been doing this to me, and he doesn't stop. And it hurts. But every day, every day that he's doing something, I'm becoming more and more like him. And that is what something. And that is what I want you to take back home with you today. That if you don't let him be... Do his thing with you. You're just going to remain the people that you are. And what is that? Insignificant, ordinary people. Kind of like a limb balloon. Like this. Christians are like this, I'm telling you. We're like this walking around the world. I'm a happy Christian all united in the Lord, into God's own family. No, no, don't clap. This is not funny. I shouldn't be anyway. God wants to do something. He wants to do something. He wants to shape you into something solid. But for that, after he's finished molding you, after he's finished breaking you, he needs two. Actually, this works better with elastic. How many of you men have elastic in your pants? Can you lend me, please? No, I didn't think so. So we settled with the balloon, right? Stretch you. 
We need to be stretched because to be an ordinary Christian, as I'm telling you, to be useless. There's not much you can do with you. Have any of you ever wanted to build your body up? Now, if you were a typical Christian, what you'll do? What will you do? You might go to Arnold Schwarzenegger. Have you heard of him? Yeah, or Sylvester Stallone and say, Arnie, can you please lay your hand on my head and bless me so that I get muscles? That's what Christians do. I'm not kidding you. I've lost count of the number of people who say, Anil, I need your blessings. Put your hand on my head. There, you're blessed. You're going to get multiple spirituality on you now. Come on. Can you? No, you can't. How many of us look in the mirror, you know, and we'll kind of take off all our clothes and go like that. You're not doing anything to make anything happen there. And you expect standing in front of the mirror and posturing is going to make you like that. But Christians are like that. We stand in front of God and say, God, look at my muscles. Oh, and he say, I, I don't see anything there. What does Paul write? Do you not know that in a race, all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? You need to run in such a way to get that prize, but they do it for a prize that does not last. You run for a prize that lasts forever. So he says, I go into strict training. I do not dance around and beat the air. Instead, I beat my body, making it my slave so that after I preach to others, I will not be disqualified from the prize. I need to go out there and work out. I need to go out there and say, God, here I am. You melted me. You've broken me. You've numb, stretched me. Use me. Use me. I don't want to be a limp balloon going around saying, Christian, Christian, Christian. Nobody will look at you. I'm telling you, who wants a limp balloon? But Lord, if you stretch me, if you make me bigger, if you expand me, look at the apostles. One day they were caught for what? Healing a beggar who was standing outside the gate, beautiful. So they pulled them in front of the Sanhedrin and asked them, how do you dare do this stuff? And he says, it's not me who's doing it. We're doing it in the name of Jesus, whom you crucified. And these people were very worried. So they threatened them and said, don't you dare speak about this man again. Now get out of here. What do these people do? They leave, they go back to the other group and they start to pray. Pray for what? Not pray that the persecution ends. Not pray that angels come to defend them. But they say, Lord, stretch us. Use us even more. Let your spirit be with us so that we can preach your word in greater power. And they go out and do that. They go out and do that. And the next day, the next chapter speaks about them getting arrested again. Because they broke out of jail. And there they are brought in front of the Sanhedrin again. And this time they're not threatened. This time they're whipped within an inch of their lives. And then scripture says they went home rejoicing. Rejoicing that God had stretched them and found them strong in the faith. And just prayed for more courage, more boldness. This is what we need. I spoke about going to Hyderabad on this mission that I didn't want to go to. I was so happy I had the opportunity to speak to so many non-Christian brothers and sisters. How did I do that? Because I went to this one school and the principal said, all we've invited other Christians. And I said, why? Here is an opportunity to speak to everybody. And she says, how do you do that? He said, leave it to me. Let me go to the classes and let me invite everyone personally. So I went to each classroom myself and I said, I'm not here to convert you because I wasn't. I'm not here to convert anybody. I said, all I am here is to introduce you to somebody I know. His name is Jesus. Now, if you would like to come and listen to what I know about Jesus, then here is your chance to come and listen to me. Every single person from every single class left their class and came to listen to the word of God. And then what did I do? 
I talked to them about God. I talked to them about the God that we know, a God we believe is our father. Because there is one thing that we believe in that nobody else believes in is that God is a loving God who is also our father who cares about his children. Yes, put your hands together for him, seriously. And I said, I know you're unhappy. I know you're sad. I know you're empty and lonely inside. I know many of you have lost your faith in God because you don't see him anywhere. But I want to tell you something. God is here in your midst. He's looking at you and he cares about you. He wants you to know that he loves you tremendously. By the end of the session, almost every single child over there was not just crying. They were weeping. They were weeping because they felt the love of God touching their hearts and they understood for the first time that God might not be this guy standing there with a stick waiting to punish them for every infraction but waiting there with open arms to just hold them and to hug them. That is the God I know and that is the God you need to share with others. My brother went to India to preach. Can you imagine a Lebanese going to India to preach? Praise God for him. But if God takes a Lebanese to India to preach, he takes an Indian to Lebanon to preach. Praise God for me too. (laughs) And the last time I was in Lebanon, I preached to a bunch of very powerful people. I preached to politicians and I preached to judges. And while I was talking to them, there were other people also gathered there. And these were... Muslim sheikhs, basically priests from the Muslim faith. And I started by talking to them about Jesus. We Christians believe that he is the son of God. Now I know that you don't believe that. But I do know that you believe he's a prophet. And if you believe he's a prophet, then you have to give his words due consideration. Because a prophet should be respected and heard. And then I started talking to them about love. Because I always talk about love. I don't, I don't really see the point of talking about anything else because that's all our, there is to our faith really. And I told them how Jesus died for us. And one of the things he taught us was if someone slapped us on one cheek to offer them the other. Which brings me back to something I spoke about vulnerability earlier. Do you remember? Slap me. Slap me, come on. Gently. (laughs) Not my shoulder, my face. First instinct is to hit back. Harder, if possible. But I told them an eye for an eye will only make the whole world blind. And I was quoting Gandhi when I said that. But instead, if when someone hits you, you offer him the other cheek, what is the person going to do? That. She's not going to hit me again. And even if she does, even if she does, my sister sitting over here, whom I love dearly, will stop her hand and say, don't. He's my brother. He's a good man. Don't hurt him anymore. Do you understand? This is not theory. I dare any of you to hurt me. I told the judges in Lebanon the same thing. So what are you going to do? You're going to hurt me? I'm going to just love you. What are you going to do? Hurt me some more? I'm going to love you some more. We'll see who gets tired first. After the session was over, 
These Muslim priests came and said, we've never heard anything like that before. The next time you're in Lebanon, would you care to come and preach in our mosques? We thought they were joking. But guess what? I'm going to Lebanon next month and I'm preaching in their mosque. They confirmed it last week. You want to be like this? Or do you want to be like this? Now people can see this. Can you see this at the back? You can. Can you see this at the back? You have the choice. You have the choice. You can be a Christian like this or you can be a Christian like this. Week after week we come here and we get blown up. During the week that's what happens to us. Does it sound like what I think it sounds like? Do me a favor, don't come back next week like this. Come back at least half full. Okay, that's a good start. So when you get filled next time, your balloon will be bigger. Your spirit will be bigger. Your heart will be bigger. You'll be bigger and people will be able to see you from miles away. Forget about the back of this church and say, there goes a Christian filled with the spirit. Now even this is painful, by the way. And it takes effort. But it all begins by saying, Lord, search me. Are you ready? You know, at the end of his life, Paul made a beautiful prayer. He said, I've run the race, I have fought the good fight, and I've kept the faith. Paul finished his years as a balloon that was filled with the Holy Spirit. Today, the things he did 2,000 years ago is still spoken about in every single church around the world. Now, this is the way that you need to be. One day people are going to speak about Joseph Barnabas in Bombay. And one day people in Lebanon are going to speak about this man standing in front of you. By the way, you will not believe this. On this visit, we're also meeting the president of Lebanon. Confirmed. Do I sound like I'm boasting? I am. I am. But like Paul... I boast in the Lord because it is only the Lord who has made me what I am today. It's the same Lord who's still smashing me today, crushing me and powdering me. I complain sometimes. I tell him, Lord, do what you want to do, but please be gentle because like I said, his hand can be pretty rough. And when he's in a hurry to work with you, especially if you act like as if you're in a hurry, he's going to just do whatever he has to do. But trust me, the pain is worth it. Trust me, the pain is worth it. Break that heart today. All of you have had your hearts broken. How many of you had your hearts broken? Are you brave enough to acknowledge it in front of God? Just raise your hand up and say, yes, Lord, my heart has been broken. Go on, don't be frightened. You're asking him to search you. I know your hearts, guys. Put them up boldly. All of you have had pain in your hearts. All of you have had your hearts ever broken. There you are. How many of you are addicted to any kind of sin? My hand goes up first. Do you dare to raise your hand up too? You don't sin. Please let me see the one who is not a sinner. He's put both his hands. I, we must be the only two really big sinners over here, you know. We tell that to people. But you know something, both of us share. We let God into that broken heart. 
and he keeps crushing and mincing us from the inside. We also ask him to prune us, which is another dangerous prayer that comes in the category of melt me and mold me. And you find this prayer in John 15 when Jesus says, I am the vine, my father is the gardener. He cuts off any branch in me that does not bear much fruit. But whatever branch bears fruit, it just kind of tends and grows so that it bears even greater fruit. Let your branches bear a lot of fruit today. Okay? Thank you for listening to this coverage. We hope it has blessed you. For more great content, visit our website, www.hsiweb.org and kindly consider supporting the work we do. God bless you.